You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm Ryan. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this podcast would help us to better connect with the people of Clear Creek and to continue our conversation beyond our weekly worship service. So Ryan, we're in the middle of this series called Faith and Technology. And, you know, I think I know what technology is. When I think of technology, I think of my computer and maybe social media, maybe like 4D movies coming out. But really, technology is probably more than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a very broad term. And, uh, you know, we talk about some of that in the message series. But on the podcast, you thought it'd be really cool. Let's talk to somebody who lives and breathes technology vocationally. And so I had a conversation with Nick Skitlin. He is uh, an elder at our West Campus, and you know him. Um, But also, uh, as his job, he works at NASA and does some other things. And we talk about some of that on the podcast. But a great opportunity to talk about what technology means to him as a technologist and someone who studies these things and goes and uh, does consulting for people who who need technology and all those things. So great conversation to talk about really what does it mean for for Christians to interact and engage with technology uh, as users, but also as those who are creating and innovating technologies for uh, the the use of of everyday people. I do know Nick and he's really passionate about this. So I'm sure it's really great. I can't wait to hear. All right, Nick, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's begin. I want you to first tell me, because I've asked you this question pretty much every time we hang out, I have to ask you this question again. What is it that you do? Yeah, you know, this is a topic <laughs> of regular conversation around our household, because Krista also asks me regularly, what do we do? What What do I do? Yeah. So uh, my day job is at NASA. Okay. I work at Johnson Space Center in human exploration. And I'm actually in an office called the Exploration Technology Office. I'm the deputy uh, chief of that office. And we're focused on thinking about all the technology that NASA needs to enable human exploration. So flying in space, landing on the moon, one day hopefully living in a sustainable way on Mars. And that's everything from the sensors we need to the propulsion systems and everything. So we, we focus on taking an idea maturing that and and building that technology so that we can in, um, one day fly it to space. Okay, and so that is a full-time job for you? That is a full-time job, yes. Okay, so in addition to that full-time job, you do some other stuff too? I feel like I see you all over the place doing things. Yeah, so I also have a technology and strategy consulting firm called Quite Uncommon. Uh, my business partner, Ali, and I run that, and we've been fortunate to work with pastors and local churches and business leaders and entrepreneurs across a number of different sectors. Um, and and really the way I describe that is I'm a launch expert. I help organizations think about the future and then build, test, and launch new and innovative ideas into the world. Sometimes that looks like convening communities of technologists together to build that technology. Sometimes it's working with a CEO or, or the leadership of the organization, the pastor, to think about the strategy and think about what comes next. So I I'm, I feel like I'm going to have to just give you a little warning. The next time we hang out, I'm I'm going to have to ask you that same question again because I still don't think I <laughs> fully understand all that you do. <laughs> but so how did you get into this? Like what what's driven your fascination with technology to get you this career? Yeah, I've always been really curious. I've always liked tinkering and making things and building things and really from my earliest 
years, you know, I loved Legos. I loved math. I mean, who doesn't love math? Um, There's a lot of people who don't love math. Really? I don't (laughs) don't quite understand. I do remember the day in, it was my freshman year of college, that calculus made sense. And it was a really, really exciting day. Um, Anyway, (laughs) side note. So in conclusion, uh, I just love to build things. And that led into going to school for engineering, for mechanical engineering. Um, But I'm also just curious not when it just comes to technology. I'm curious about business. And so I have a, a master's of business administration and MBA. I also went to the International Space University for a master's in space studies. So fundamentally, it's about curiosity. Yeah, man, that's awesome. All right. Yeah. So we're talking about technology. We're in this series called Faith in Technology. It's probably helpful for us to define what is technology because I think typically if we just ask someone what technology is, our definition might be pretty narrow. And I think, you know, you would say technology, the definition is, is much more broad than we than we originally think of. Yeah, that's a really good question because it's kind of like defining love. <laughs> what yeah. is love? What is technology? Um, I think a lot of people in the church define technology by the technology that they're, they use on a regular basis, like social media. But technology is so much more. So we thought a lot about this recently. We actually wrote a book that was published with Moody Publishers in January. It talks a lot about technology. And in the book, we talk about how technology is the overwhelming and disruptive force that results from the advances of human ingenuity and creativity. And so it's something that impacts all parts of our lives, but in particular, how we communicate, how we collaborate, and how we coordinate at every level. And closely associated with that is a technologist, somebody who works in this field of technology. And I would say that's, that a technologist is somebody who has the talent or is skilled in the development of that technology, as well as the implementation of that technology. Okay, maybe it would be helpful if you give us some examples beyond social media of of what you mean by technology. Yeah, so there's a lot of different types of technology. So we often think about IT technology, like social media. Um, and if if you're in the IT space, you might think about machine learning, um, virtual assistants like Alexa, blockchain, which is kind of the backbone of digital currency and Bitcoin. Uh, you might think about automation and how we use algorithms and software to make our lives easier and to automate things. But then that very quickly bleeds over to the where the software, the digital world interacts with the physical world. So for example, self-driving cars. It's kind of a mix of both the car, which is a technology, as well as the automation of self-driving algorithms. Um, and, and there's obviously a lot of physical types of technology. So A good example is a 3D printer. A 3D printer can be used to take raw resources and print really whatever we need on demand. Um, Some other examples of technology, satellites, uh, high-speed internet for everybody. Thank you, Elon Musk. Hmm. Uh, Drones, you know, and not, drones are useful useful for more than just real estate photos. I mean, we we can have really great high-definition maps. Um, Robotics, maybe you have a robotic vacuum cleaner in your living room. The Internet of Things, maybe your your refrigerator is connected to the internet. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of other types of technology as well. But, I mean, it really, again, advances in human ingenuity. Anything that's invented or created or even something that you could patent might be technology. Yeah. I mean, I think about, like, just what 
you know, going from almost like the Garden of Eden, you know, you got Adam and Eve in there and they're just out in nature. And then all of the human advances since then, I mean, just the world that we live in is just, is filled with technological advances that we don't even, that we just take for granted all around us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think another way, a useful way to think about technology is to think about it, um, in the applications in, in, in the world around you or in the, in the disciplines and the fields that people work in. So for example, maybe construction, you could apply 3D printing to build houses on demand or maybe the medical industry. You have the Teladoc. Maybe you've used the Teladoc using your computer rather than going into the office. Yeah, there's all kinds of different like medical testing, medical devices, you know, cancer research, all those things. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of technology involved in that. Well, just, just think about the technology behind logistics companies. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought Amazon would would be so big and such a part of the fabric of life today. And it's all thanks to technology and automation. Anything else in there you're going to list off? Man, I got a whole <laughs> I know, you, list. You I mean, can go forever. I mean, you think about like agriculture, self-driving tractors. You can think about entertainment, the Netflix and every version of it. Um, there's, there's just, if you think about any field where somebody's working, there's technology that is that is really a core to the way the the way the world works today. Yeah, one of the things we want to talk about is how do followers of Jesus interact with this? Like, what do they do with just this? I mean, growing technology. It seems like in the last even you know twenty years, ten years. I mean, life has changed. It continues to change. It's going to keep changing, and so we want to talk about what does it look like for Christians to engage in our world now that is so so filled with technology and growing technological innovation. So uh, what are some of the, the things that you see on the very real horizon that as Christians, as society, churches that we're going to have to deal with? Yeah. And I mean, I feel like there's two questions that are really packed in there. So let me address them both separately. Yeah. The first one might be, you know, how do we as Christians engage? And the second one might be, you know, what's on the horizon. So in terms of how we should engage, it's almost easier to think about how we shouldn't engage. Because <laughs> honestly, sometimes in the church, I, I hear more of how we shouldn't engage with technology than how we should engage with it. And I'll, and I'll, I'll just summarize that by saying, technology is not good nor evil. It is just the reality of the world that we live in. You know, even what people do with technology might be inherently good. They might have a good incentive for what they're trying to do. But we live in a fallen, broken world. And and evil and bad can come from that. But that doesn't mean that the technology itself is good or evil. So we shouldn't call it evil and pretend it doesn't exist. We shouldn't fear it and react based on our fear. And we really shouldn't try to control it. And we shouldn't try to, you know, an, a way control comes up with technology often is like, if we're purposely saying like, I'm not going to use Facebook. Well, you're trying to set up a boundary for yourself, but also the world is living on Facebook. It's just a technology to reality of our world. And so oftentimes I think the church uh, and, and people and Christians think about all the things that we should do to fear or control technology. Um, but I think, if, I think about it kind of like the, when the printing press was invented in 1440. Um, none of us were, were around, but essentially what happened was, uh, you know, think about how the church responded when the printing press was, was designed. Um, so this was a new technology that allowed for mass production of books on scales that was never imagined before. Before that, the church was sharing the Bible by handwriting manuscripts of the Bible 
I mean, think about that. How long would it take you to write the Bible? And it, it would take many, many years. So the printing press essentially allowed the church overnight to share the Bible in, in a way that that had never been done before. It allowed them to reach reach people all around the world. And in fact, the very first run on the printing press was the Bible written in Latin. And so today the Bible's printed in more than 250 languages, including the Old Testament, or more than 2000 languages, the New Testament. And so that's how I think the church and Christians should engage with technologies. We should look at the possibilities and the potential for the application to share the gospel with the world, to show up in the world, to be present in the world. Hmm. What, are, what are some of the things you see on the horizon that we're going to have to uh, engage with in some way? Yeah, there's there's so much. And I think it's so much more than just social media. Um, and uh, I love to give the example of of Amazon Alexa, because a lot of us have an Amazon Alexa in our household, um, including me. And so the thought there is, have you ever, have you ever asked Amazon Alexa who Jesus is? Uh, I'm not sure I have. Yeah. So think about it from your kid's perspective though. Yeah, I mean, my kids, Asher and Kai are very comfortable playing Minecraft, being online, talking with their friends online and interacting with Alexa. They use Alexa to set a timer and play music. They call me on Alexa all the time. You can turn lights on and off, open our garage door. Alexa is useful, but to them, Alexa is almost like a real person. They say, hey, Alexa, what time is it? Hey, Alexa, who is Jesus? And so that actually brings up a really important point of like, we have all these algorithms and all this technology in our world, in our houses today. And who programmed the answer that you get when you ask that question? And more concerning is the fact that that Alexa answers it so quickly and definitively. Hmm. It's almost could be mistaken for a source of truth for our kids who interact with it so seamlessly. Hey, mommy and daddy, who's Jesus? Okay, well, so let me try to explain this to you. And, it, and oh, mom, stop. This is so annoying. Okay, Alexa, who is Jesus? Answer, just like that. And are you okay with the answer that Alexa gives you when it, it answers who is Jesus? And so our, I guess my point is that we as Christians need to engage with not only using the technology, but being present when the technology itself is being created so that we can influence it in a positive way. Yeah. Hmm. That is interesting to think about. Even just the, the, the discipleship of our kids, the discipleship of our own souls, our own hearts, um, and all the different influences that go, go into that. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about fear and I, you know, there was a, there was a book long ago by a guy named Everett Roberts called the diffusion of innovations. And he, and he coined some phrases that talk about how people adopt different technologies over time. Uh, he, he called people either innovators kind of on the front, which it feels like that's, that's you. And if you're not innovating, then you're in that second group, which is like the early adopters. And then if you're not an early adopter, you're the early majority. And there's also the late majority, uh, which obviously is like the big chunk, the majority. And then there's the, the laggards, maybe the people who are a little bit uh, slow, or maybe they never really adopt some of the technologies. Why is it that some people are slow to adopt technology? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it gets back to that, you know, conversation of like, how do we not engage with technology? We don't want to, we don't want to fear it. We don't want to react because of it. We don't want to try to control it. We don't want to call it evil. But I think for some, those might be the reasons, right? Because they fear it, they're trying to control it, or they believe it's evil in some way. 
Um, I think for others, others, you know, a lot of it's just a personality thing. Some people tend to be more on the innovator side of that equation. And some, some tend to kind of wait until, you know, things have been tested out. The vaccine today uh, for COVID is a really good example of that. There's a lot of people who want to, who want to get the vaccine right away. They want to be those early adopters of the vaccine. Others um, would like to be, to wait until, you know, maybe it's more tested or proven or, you know, farther down the road. And, and I think that is just a cross section of our society. We have people all over that spectrum. Yeah. But, the reality is technology is shaping the world we all live in, whether you believe it is or not. It has, it's a powerful force that is part of our reality today. Yeah. You had that like in your, um, in your definition. And I've heard that also too recently that, that technology is a disruptor, like by nature, it, it causes change. It's resulting from a desire for change or uh, a, 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 I guess a, it rises out of a need to change. Right. Um, and so it disrupts things and, and I guess it can, it can check, question the status quo for people, which is sometimes a fearful thing. Yes, I mean, you say it so well because I mean, even the word disruptive, some people see that as a really bad word, right? You're disrupting the status quo. You're disrupting my comfort or the way I know things uh, exist, or the way it's being done today, that can be a really um, really hard thing to deal with. And, and at the end of the day, we as humans, we don't like change. You, can, you, can, you, can, you, you might think of me as being more innovative, but there's many things that I resist when it comes to change. We have a hard time thinking about the future in a way that is different than today. And I often give the example of, have you ever been in an interview where they said, hey, Ryan, where do you see yourself here at Clear Creek in five years? <laughs> and you might answer that question by saying, well, I mean, first of all, I kind of hope I'm still employed here. <laughs> um, I really like my job. I hope I'm still doing that and I'm still living in the house that I'm living in and my kids might be a little bit older. You, have, you actually have a hard time thinking about the future um, in a way that in a way that's a, there's a lot of change. But if you look back five years ago, you flip that question around, how much change has happened in your world in the last five years? It probably, yeah. there's probably a lot of things that happened, right? Yeah, a ton, so, yeah. I mean, humans just are not really good with change and, and technology is changing the world. It's disrupting our status quo. Yeah. All right. So I want to dig into that a little bit deeper because I do feel like, I mean, I personally struggle. I don't, I wouldn't say I'm not a laggard. Uh, I would say I sometimes bounce between the early majority and the late majority when it comes to certain technology or, you know, adopting certain things. I'm definitely not an innovator or early adopter. I tend to, to wait a little bit. And so there is this part of me that maybe I do struggle with some of the fear of things or just seeing the, uh, I guess just the, the brokenness of humanity that might sort of influence some of these things. So when you talk about technology in and of itself is almost like morally neutral. It's not necessarily good. It's not necessarily bad, but very quickly, human beings can get their hands on it and it can very quickly go one way or the other. And so I just wanna hear some of your thoughts on, you know, at least just acknowledging that um, maybe in and of itself, a piece of technology, I don't know, maybe it'd be helpful if you come up with an example for us, but like may not be evil, but yet, man, human beings in our sinfulness and our brokenness have somehow quickly taken that. And now, now it is a concern. It is one of those things where maybe someone says, I don't know if this is 
good for my heart and my soul. It's causing distraction or it's causing me to lose touch with, you know, whatever God's creation or relationships or whatever that might be. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good question. I mean, I think at a few things there. Number one, technology is not good or evil. And I would argue even when humans have good intentions for the use of technology, and I would say the early days of social media, um, we still as humans <laughs> can make it go wrong so quickly. Um, you know, even, even thinking about, is it okay that Google has 17,000 data points on you and knows more about you and your search history and what you what they think you're going to search for next than you do. What about when the church has that same amount of data and we're 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 doing we're trying to reach our friends and neighbors with data like that. There's a lot of ethical and moral considerations and questions when it comes to technology. I I think my encouragement to folks is that is we just going back to we should think about how we can reach the world and share the gospel in terms of how we collaborate and how we communicate and how we coordinate with technology is the reality of the world. And if Christians don't show up in the conversation, who is there to shape the world from a gospel perspective, right? Of course, the technology is probably going to look more evil when Christians aren't involved in the conversation. I actually think that the digital world, which obviously is, is, uh, made possible through technology is the largest mission field of our time. You think about, you take a mission trip to Honduras or to Europe or to Africa, you jump on a plane using technology, physical technology, and you reach other people. But where are the digital missionaries of our time? And, and I think any one of us could be a digital missionary using technology to influence and reach our world. And so I think we just have to push back on that fear of, of losing control. And, and just like every Christian throughout history show up in the conversation um, that's happening in the world and point people to Jesus. Yeah. And it seems like what you're saying is there's two different sides of that conversation in some way. There's like the, the technologist, the, the people who are helping to, to develop these technologies. And you're talking about as followers of Jesus to be in those rooms, in those, you know, those conversations in the development of, you know, who's answering Alexa and, you know, who's deciding the, uh, how the, uh, the self-driving car is going to make, you know, split second decisions that are going to potentially be life saving or, or, you know, you know, could end up hurting someone in a, in a very uh, major way. And then also on the other side, the, the users of technology, which is pretty much everyone, you know, how can we be more discerning and also engage in those conversations and um, be, be an active uh, participant in a way that like we're thinking through these things from a gospel perspective. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. I think there's a few different categorizations. A lot of the work that I do through our consulting firm, Quite Uncommon, and the book that we recently released is all about raising up a generation of technologists who are creating and influencing the creation of technology um, so that we can share the gospel using that technology. That is obviously a smaller subset of the population than, than for sure people using technology. But I think there's also a pretty large group of Christians here at Clear Creek Community Church that can be a technologist in terms of how they use technology to reach the world. And I think there's some really big questions that we as the church have not started to, 
to, to, to wrestle with that I think are going to be thrust upon us much quicker than we anticipate. I mean, within the next five or 10 years. So for example, um, think about your device. All of us are carrying around our iPhones or uh, Android phones in our pockets right now. We're all, all, many of us sit behind computers and do our, do our work every day. Think about all the screens that you sit behind on a daily basis and how normal that's become. Well, at the end of the day, there's still a longing for real authentic relationship and connection and communication that a screen can't provide. And I think those, those parts of technology that aren't quite mature enough are going to continue to advance. And ultimately, you're not going to have a screen is what I'm telling you. Like yeah. your iPhone, whether that's embedded technology or whether that's something you wear, like, like glasses with augmented reality on top of it or mixed reality on top of that, that is going to become so much more infused into the fabric of life and the fabric of who you are. And when that happens, what is our responsibility as a Christian, as a church, when somebody walks through the front doors of Clear Creek Community Church and they're half machine, half human, are they any less human? Do we have any less responsibility to share the gospel with them? I mean, it kind of seems like a far off question, but I think those things are coming at us a lot quicker than we anticipate. Yeah, and especially when you think about, you know, when, when was the iPhone invented or when did it come out? Yeah, like, I don't know, like 10 years ago, 15 yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah, I mean, it's like not that long ago right. that we've been living with these phones and, you know, what what is the next the when, next thing? When you know? was the internet invented? I bet you there's a lot of people in Clear Creek Community Church that remember when email was invented. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've, I've heard stories at NASA when email was rolled out at NASA. There was a lot of people who were just hesitant to the idea of using email. They would rather use handwritten memos or type memos and pass them around. I mean, email is like such a core fabric part of our life today. What is that going to look like in 10 years? And then on top of that, you know, it's happening faster and faster and faster. It's accelerating. So what does that mean for us? Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. Even you just talking about that, it, it keeps bringing back back to that that fear part. I'm like, man, that sounds like a scary world. But I mean, yeah. It is. And, and I would say this is why... 99% of American churches don't even have a technologist on staff, let alone anyone in their, in their teams that's doing ministry around technology. And I think it's a huge oversight by the church. Now, when you say church, do you mean Clear Creek Community Church or the larger church around the world? Oh, that's a great question. If I mean Clear Creek, I always specify the local church, Clear <laughs> Creek by yeah. name. So when I say the church, what I'm saying is, the global church. And I think we as a church need to think about how we use technology to reach the world, not just fear it or call it evil, but engage it so that we can reach reach the world. Because think about it, the, everybody, all of our friends and our family, this is their reality. This is the world they live in and they're comfortable in it. So if we don't engage in it, we're going to have a bigger and bigger divide between how people are living their lives and the way we do ministry. Yeah. All right. So the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples um, after he was resurrected and he gives to all followers of Jesus since then is the great commission. Uh, Matthew 28, um, he says, go and make disciples. And so how have you seen churches use technology to make disciples? Oh man, there's so many good examples of this. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, the gospel's, the gospel's helpful in all that we do to give rise to imagination. And so the more creative we can be as a church to reach the world, 
um, the the better. I'll give you an example from May of last year. One of my favorite examples, recent examples, because so many people at Clear Creek Community Church know Amy Winstead. Um, she used to work with us and, and did a lot of our care ministry. Um, she recently moved to Tennessee along with Michael. And um, Amy would not characterize herself as a technologist. <laughs> if you know Amy, she would say, I'm not a technologist. But Right after COVID happened, we surveyed about 200 pastors around the nation and we said, hey, you know, how could you use technology to do ministry in this new digital environment now that now that the pandemic's happening, it's a reality. And, and I mean, beyond just broadcasting our services online, what else could we do? And we had, we did a giant hackathon, which is a convening of technologists. We, we asked them to come together online and we gave them 10 challenges. And, and they were all, they all had to do with ministry in the church. And you can read about it online, about all the different challenges and, and the needs that the church had. One of them was, and if you remember this back in May, and we still struggle with it today, is what do we do for people who are at, at an end of life hospice care situation, or maybe who have got COVID and maybe might pass away from it, and they're in the hospital? Because you're not allowed to go visit them anymore. I mean, how does the church respond? How does family respond to that? And so I called Amy and I said, Hey, Amy, we're doing this giant hackathon. Uh, I, I need somebody who's a subject matter expert in hospice to, to guide the solution to make sure what the technology we're building is useful. Well, she did that. Um, and she, she joined the hackathon and she was a subject matter expert. And she actually ended up joining one of the teams because it was so exciting what they, what they were developing. And they developed an app that allowed you to, um, call in and leave a message for your loved one. And then that message could be played by the nurse in the hospital on repeat. Um, so you could have 10 people, they all call in. And, and, and for those that know Frank Land in our church, um, this was, we actually had an opportunity to use the app with Frank. And people from Clear Creek Community Church called in, used the app, and left Frank sweet messages that he could listen to um, when, he was, when he was in the hospital at that time. And so I, I think back to Amy. She didn't see herself as a technologist. I mean, she did hospice, but never had anyone came up with a technology solution for what, what, they were, what they were working on. So it's just such a sweet example. And I think there's so many more examples like that of innovation in the church that we could uncover if we just kind of thought about how we could apply technology to the ministry that we have today. Yeah, man, that's really good. That's helpful, man. Uh, so how would you encourage maybe a young person who is a follower of Jesus and they're thinking about a career in technology? Yeah, I get this question a lot. So, well, so a few things. One, are you, you know, are you a technologist that wants to invent and create technology? I would say yes. <laughs> please, 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 please do that. And the, the the second question I often get from them is, should I do that? Should I like, should I do that for a church or because I kind of I kind of want to just go work for NASA or Google? And I would say, go work for NASA or Google, the people who are on the forefront of building that technology and then get involved in a local church and start a volunteer ministry around using technology because then you'll learn from the best and you'll be applying it and serving in your local church. That would be a huge win. I think for people who are very adept at technology, digital natives, no matter what your age, if you feel like you just get technology, I encourage you to do the same thing. Think about how you can apply that technology in new ways. Do not be afraid to experiment with technology. Get on Minecraft, join a multi-massive online player game and be the Christian who's the light in the digital world as an example. And then finally, for others who maybe are on the laggard side, 
I would say be open-minded to how much the world is changing and how that might impact your life. And, and, and just think about how you might apply, share your story in new ways and apply that gospel perspective using technology, even if it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. All right. So what about, I want to talk about your family real quick, um, just because you've got three young kids and they're growing up as, I mean, even more digital natives and probably even most kids are aged because of your role and your fascination with technology. Um, but they're, they're growing up in a different world than us and generations that were before us. And so how are you leading them and shepherding them? And I, you don't have to get into all like, you know, screen time and limits and things like that. But I'm just curious to know, how do you lead them in, in all this? Yep. I mean, it goes back to, we are not pretending technology doesn't exist. We're not trying to control the technology. I mean, we are aware and conscious, like any good parent, of screen time and things like that. But we are ultimately encouraging them to be curious, encouraging them not only to be a user of technology, but a practitioner where they invent and they create. My boys, Ash and Kai, love to play Minecraft, like probably a lot of kids in the church. I love it. I think it's awesome. They play with their friends. They're they're constantly playing on the iPad or our phones or Xbox. They're building and creating new things. So then what I try to do is I try to bridge. This is where technology fails right now because we're not caught up yet. We're not mature enough. So I try to bridge that digital experience that they have with a physical analog, something in the real world. So for example, Minecraft, if they build something on Minecraft, I have them try to build it in Legos and vice versa. Uh, the other day, Asher at Cub Scouts built a birdhouse. So what would it look like to take the birdhouse he built in the physical world and convert that into a Minecraft birdhouse and then share that with his friends? Because that is so quickly translatable to things you learn in high school and college, in engineering, in designing, in architecture, in all the STEM fields. And so really at this point, we're just trying to encourage them in terms of curiosity. Us, the other practical application I saw with Asher just this past month is that his ability to um, na navigate the Minecraft world translated so well into him learning piano. Huh. I mean, his ability to pick up piano was way faster than my ability to pick up any musical instrument because there's because math. Who doesn't love math, right? <laughs> math is such the fundamental language in all those things. And Asher gets patterns and he gets rhythms and he gets trends and he gets creation and invention. And he can translate that into a piano. And Chris and I were sitting in our, in our kitchen the other day and we said, wait, who's playing piano right now? That sounds really good. And we were looking back on our lives and like, we were so bad at learning instruments because we learned the wrong way curiosity wasn't at the core of it. It was much more about repetition, repetition and, and just, um, you know, just exercises. It wasn't about creating something beautiful. So again, as, as Christians with a gospel lens, we need to give rise to, the gospel gives us rise to imagination. What do we do with that? How do we stay curious? How do we parent our kids in a way that they will be curious enough that they will become the influencers of tomorrow in this digital world? Are you seeing some concerning things with your kids' interaction with technology that you're having to address? Yeah. So somebody was pointing out in my printing press example the other day that that was very elementary in terms of the 
of the um, concerns that people had with sharing with printing the Bible at scale versus the way technology is used today at scale. And a really good example of that is our kids are playing Roblox, which is another kid ga- uh, game that kids play these days. And, um, and it's actually used in schools quite a bit. And we actually moved our TV into our living room because Kai came to me and said, Hey dad, somebody friended me on Roblox. And that's a very common thing on Roblox platform in particular. And that's not okay. That's not okay. And stranger danger, right? Yeah. And so there's, again, it goes back to you have to be aware. You have to be in the presence of your kids' lives. Um, And so that's what we did. We just put the TV in the middle of the living room. We didn't tell them to stop playing. We just said, put it there so we can watch what's going on. And we can help guide you through this really complex world that we live in today. Yeah. I find that it's uh, it requires almost a lot more energy and intentionality as a parent to be able to do that. I mean, our kids are getting into a, a game uh, called Among Us. Have you been yeah. are you familiar with Among Us? Uh, we and, love Among Us. And, you know, it's there's a little chat feature on there. And for, you know, I, don't, I haven't really seen a whole lot of like, you know, bad you know, talking or whatever on the, on the chat feature, but it's a reality is there's a, there's an interaction with other people out in the world. And, um, you know, it, it requires as a parent to be able to help. All right, let's, let's dialogue about that. Let, what did you hear? What did you say? And all those things. And, um, in some ways it's no different than what they go and hear out at school. And, um, but it just requires some intentionality on, on your parent, which is, which is what discipleship is, you know, I mean, yep, that's so. exactly right. Your discipleship also, um, you can see it the other way. So I, I see with my my parents' generation and their gener- their parents' generation, um, for many that are still around, um, it is confusing. It is overwhelming. It's change. The older you get as a human, <laughs> for many of us, the less the less we like change in, in general. And so for for many, um, there's a lot of predators in the world that are taking advantage of using technology and that overwhelming force mm. in, in a bad way, right? So we as a church, again, need to show up and be there for people um, in our community who are struggling with the adoption and the use of technology and others are clearly taking advantage of that. Yes, yes, it is heartbreaking to see that for sure. All right, so I wanna hear a little bit about your book. In January, you released What Comes Next, Shaping the Future in an Ever-Changing World. Uh, you and your co-author, Allie, uh, so let me tell, or let me hear about what that book is about. I know I did read, I, I read it myself, but for those who are, who are listening in, give yeah. us a quick overview. Yeah. Not only did you read it, you gave me some great feedback on the book and which led to many of these conversations. And that's what I love about Clear Creek is that we have so many great thinkers that are thinking about the future. Um, we often in our work with Quite Uncommon, we just have, we have the the privilege of being able to work with leaders in local churches and parachurch organizations like Crew and Wycliffe and InterVarsity, um, Air One Radio, KSBJ, things like that. We we get a chance to work with leaders who are thinking about what comes next. Um, and we started a lot of our work by convening technologists and building the technology, but that quickly led into the question about, so what? So what do we do with this technology? Um, what does that mean for our strategy and for where we're going? And what we realized is that so many people didn't have have a, a good good clarity around where it was that they were going. And in fact, this year, this last, this pandemic really demonstrated for all of us. So many people in this pandemic were lurk, looking for certainty when what they needed was clarity. 
You don't need more certainty. It's an uncertain world. It's probably going to be more so in the future. What you need is clarity. And so our book is about is called What Comes Next. It has three parts to it. The first part is about futurist thinking or this discipline and field of foresight. Just like engineering, you can go get a degree in foresight. The second part of the book is an eight-part framework, which talks about these four forces that are changing the world and how they intersect together. Technology is one of those forces. Another force is people. Another force is purpose. And another force is place. And how those things interact together um, uncover some really interesting intersections. And we talk through those intersections in, in the eight chapters in the middle of the book. And then the last, and, and the whole point is to help you have more clarity about where it is that you're going so you can state it with specificity. And then towards the end of the book, we help you apply that strategically in your own life or in your organization um, in a way that's prioritized, intentional, systematic. I mean, I'm an engineer. And I think the thing about it is I've seen so many people struggle just because they don't have an intentional roadmap that they can follow that's thoughtfully designed. And so we give you that. You can use it uh, both individually or personally. I mean, individually and personally, or you can use it organizationally if you think about what comes next. We've had a lot of feedback, even from people in Clear Creek that said, hey, man, I was looking for my next job, read the book, loved it. It's really helped me sort this stuff out. So um, if you, if you like many other people, are asking what comes next, we encourage you to pick it up. That's awesome, man. Well, Nick, thanks for being here on the podcast. It's good having a good conversation with you. I love that, that you're... You're an elder and you're also involved in, uh, in the technology world. And so just bringing uh, the gospel of Jesus to the relationships you have and what you're creating in the world. So I'm grateful for you. Man, it's been fun to be here. I love being a part of Clear Creek. I love West Campus most of all. No offense to the other <laughs> campuses, but huge shout out to West Campus. Um, but seriously, Clear Creek is such an amazing place. I love the people of Clear Creek and thanks for the opportunity to be here today. Awesome. All right, for those of you who are listening, thanks for checking out the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I hope our conversation was encouraging for you, challenging for you in some ways. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss any of our weekly episodes. And I'll put some links to some of the things that we discussed today, including Nick's book in the description of this podcast episode at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also check out other content like articles, videos, books, and sermons. All right, that's it. We'll see you next time. 